Hey, I'm uh, very happy to connect to you from Istanbul, former known as Constantinople, always known as the mother of cities. Uh, it's great uh, being here right now. I feel for you guys uh, in Europe, actually all over the world. We'll talk about this a little bit about um, this uh, crazy heat wave. I mean, this is our new planet. I think that uh, we're turning more and more like Mars. Maybe it's the karma of having so many wars on this planet that we're slowly, slowly mimicking the landscape eventually of uh, Mars. Maybe Mars was one day a beautiful planet, blue and um, harmonious and uh, Maybe because of too many conflicts and war, hence the name Mars, it became a planet that is uh, basically looks like a desert. So if we're not going to do anything pretty quick, it's probably going to be our fate. Sorry about the light. I don't have my uh, round light that makes everything super nice. Uh, I'm relying on whatever light is left from uh, the sun, which probably slowly will uh, go to sleep and um, share the message of light with the other side of the world. And I also want to apologize because there is a few unruly kids here not too far and they're eating dinner just now next to the next to me. So it could get a little bit uh, loudy. So uh, I wanted to start with uh, sharing a few things. And also, by the way, next week is going to be our last session. I'm going to send an email about it. Uh, because the time after that I'm going to be already in Zurich. It's going to be the 31st. So next week is going to be our last one for the um for this season uh, this season it was like almost like 40 times that we've met at least in this context uh, almost uh, more than two years that we've been doing it every sunday but in august we're going to take a break so we can have interesting new things to talk about in september uh, where i'm going to be back in the city of angels and um, a little bit of announcements i'm now here in istanbul doing readings so if you're here i think there's a few slots left and then i'm going to go to zurich i have i think three or four left of them i'm going to be there for a week and then after that in tel aviv after that in uk so uh, you get usually the emails where there are some links but if you're getting this on instagram live instagram i'm going to be in uk doing a few workshops there with alternatives we try yoga if you go to my website uh, you can get a hold of them and also I'm going to send you guys uh, the links to getting a pri like a personal reading in London, Tel Aviv, same thing. And then I'm going to be back here in Istanbul and then back in the City of Angel if all goes well. So let's look at what's happening. I mean, this week was kind of disturbing for a lot of us, I think. In general, these are disturbing times, to be honest. It's uh, as you can probably feel in your personal life as well as in uh, social life, global life, family life. I mean, things ain't easy. Uh, sometimes, you know, now I'm writing the book for 2023 and I'm kind of thinking about the subtitle for the book because last year's book was, uh, of course, A Sacrifice of Love. And I'll show you a quote. It is interesting from, uh, from um, a person from Colombia, a professor, associate professor in Colombia, which really illustrate that idea of sacrifice of love, that uh, this year is definitely uh, not easy. It is a year, like we talked about it, that relates to six. It's a year that's supposed to open our heart. Uh, I never expected again that there will be such an opening of heart and such a sacrifice that people will have to take in order to open their heart. Um, but this is the state of um, the world. You know, I took this picture from Earth Sky. 
Uh, it's kind of disturbing. I think there are 47 degrees Celsius, which is all, it's very close to 110. It's kind of Palm Spring uh, uh, temperatures uh, in Portugal, 42 in Sevilla, Spain, uh, in um, Shanghai, 38 degrees Celsius. In Iran, it's turning to 30, 47 degrees Celsius. We have to remember when things are really hot, it also makes people very anxious, very very aggressive. Um, fire, fire causes us to react in a very fiery way. It's uh, not um, the very auspicious uh, temperature for getting any kind of peace or any kind of realizations, you know. So it is tough. I mean, to look at the planet, look at it. It's literally a red planet. I'm showing for those of you on live Instagram a, a scene of the of the planet in the last few days with the heat wave that is basically not European. Actually, it's all over the world. You can see it all over the world. It's kind of disturbing. Maybe except Tibet that is uh, blue and the Arctic that is still blue, thanks, uh, thanks the penguin. The rest is very, very red. And red creates aggression. That's, uh, you can look at it everywhere in the map where you see black. It's like a black hole. I mean, God knows what's going on there. But the red literally talks about uh, Aries, its fights, its warrior, the, the orange, uh, yellow, talk more about Leo, the fixed fire sign. So it's definitely very disturbing. And today I think I was looking into something interesting. Uh, two years ago, uh, forecasters in the UK conducted an interesting experiment, a, a thought experiment, and they said, uh, let's look at 2050, kind of a round number. That's also the time where artificial intelligence is supposed to pass us in the amount of uh, uh, thoughts per second or processing of, of uh, yeah, thoughts per second. Anyway, that's uh, for some people the singularity moment, the time where machines maybe are going to be wiser. Maybe we need that to happen already because we're not doing that well. But let's say they said, you know what, let's do a forecast how weather would look out in 2050, in 30 years from now. So the climate crisis uh, is definitely pushing weather to more extreme. And the meteorologist in the UK Met of, uh, Office, which is the official weather forecast agency of the UK, they decided they're going to do this chart for the weather in UK in 2050. And what happened was that they did it, but in 2022, instead of 2050, is when we actually got a similar map. So this wave uh, of heat that hit UK, but all over Europe as well, you can compare their forecast that they did for 2050, two years ago, to what is actually happening right now. You can see that they were thinking, oh my God, in 250, uh, we're going to have in London 40 degrees Celsius, which is what? I think 105 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. And woe and behold, 2022, two years after, instead of 30 years after, London is boasting of 30, 40 degrees Celsius. And then I thought, oh, it's kind of interesting because you know how we have Saturn return. We go back 28 years ago to see the root of our issues and the root of our problems. I wonder if there is something in reverse, meaning that there is Saturn return to the future. Uh, because that's what happened. They basically decided to predict something that's going to happen next Saturn return from 2020. And it ended up being in two years instead of 30 years. If anybody thought about, you know, time quickening. Yeah, we didn't mean it that way. But anyway, I thought, I wonder how to call it Saturn depart. Because I looked online to see what is the opposite of return. And it is depart. So I guess we can also work with Saturn depart. Especially when it talks about weather forecast. So again, something that was supposed to happen in the next Saturn return is actually happening <clears throat> only two years after. 
So that's, again, kind of disturbing. And in the meantime, and I thought about the word meantime, uh, if we actually have to be very pun-oriented, mean is also in English kind of nasty. So in the nasty time, uh, we have some, I read about it a few days ago, that Dijon seeds, it became a big issue in France uh, because, of course, most of the... um, chefs in France and most of the food in a French restaurant that we love all over the world, they use Dijon seeds, not mustard seeds, but Dijon seeds that are black. And a lot of them come from uh, Canada, actually, but because of supply chain issue, because of everything that's happening, there's not enough of that. So now the chefs are looking for wasabi, they're looking for other means to replace one of the most important things for the taste buds of the French. So you see how this sacrifice of love in a sense is happening also for the things we love in a way even to eat and in the in the meantime again mean being nasty uh, the one u.s senator who is called john Manchin the third i think we mentioned him a lot a lot here and i call him the anti-mensch even though his name is Manchin or Manchin, whatever you how you spell it or how you say it uh, the third you know we didn't have enough one we had to have three of them but is the senator that apparently received the most amount of contribution from gas and fuel companies and lo and behold he's the one that's actually keeping united states uh, back in relation to uh, how to curb greenhouse uh, emissions and just that you understand in uh, the politics of it, he's one senator getting the most amount of money from the gas and um, uh, fuel companies, fossil fuel companies, that actually their interest is not to pass any of these laws for renewable energy. And he's representing 1.7 million people. And that's it. It's like a small town in China. You know, it's uh, cities all over Europe are more than that. And all of the world has to hold their breath because of one person. I thought about that. That's the negative aspect of the power of one. You know, I remember uh, growing up, they were teaching us about the power of one and they were giving an example. Nelson Mandela is the power of one. Uh, uh, Gandhi is the power of one. You know, one person is able to change the course of humanity. I never thought that that power of one can also be negative like a person like that, uh, that guy. It's really, really sad. And it also uh, saddened me a lot of what's happening in United States. I don't know if you follow the uh, abortion laws that was going on. We talked about it here with the Supreme Court. And then this week we had uh, an Indiana doctor that was gracious enough to deal with a woman, a girl, a 10 years old girl that got raped and was a victim of um, rape, obviously. And they managed to catch the guy that actually did it. He's 27 years old. Remember, we talked about Saturn Return. Remember how many times I told the FBI and the CIA and whoever is in charge of uh, these kind of situations to look into any potential criminals between the ages of 27 to 30, 56 to 60, if you need to scream people that might be acting out in a very negative way, uh, whether it's um, rape, whether it's uh, shooting, whether it's terrorism, they're most likely will be between 27 to 30, 56 to 60. That's the Saturn return we talked about. Anyway, uh, at first, uh, Fox News and their friends uh, started saying that, no, that's impossible. It's too good to be true. Just a few weeks after the law, uh, after the Supreme Court decided that abortion uh, are illegal, that we'll have a 10-year-old that's been raped. Come on. And she had to go from Ohio to Indiana to basically be able to have that abortion uh, because there was no doubt that she wanted to have that abortion. And, of course, they went after the, the um, doctor who did that abortion, even though he did 
did it absolutely legally. Uh, everybody, he followed completely to the T how he's supposed to do that. Yet uh, the uh, attorney general, I think, of, uh, of Ohio uh, wanted to prosecute charges against him. It's really crazy what's happening right now. And you know what's really interesting is because uh, all of these people are uh, even right now, you know, in the United States, they are threatening uh, his, uh, the, the doctor who actually did something that every doctor would have done because that's part of their job is to fix people, to heal people. They're going after his daughter. You know, they're threatening his daughter. Now, think about it. These are people that are supposed to be pro um, or anti, sorry, abortion, pro-life because they're very pious and they follow the good book, right? The Bible. But these are the crazy people. And these are the people that actually hold back uh, everybody else, including everybody in the world, in a sense. And it, it, it really pisses me off. And I'm sorry I'm so emotional about it because... I happen to read the Bible, and I love the Bible. I think it's an amazing book that was written, compiled, not even written, 2,500 years ago for people living very far away in a completely different religion. And these people who never read the Bible in the origin, who are following even priests and, 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 and evangelists that never even read the Bible or no parts of the Bible, never even read it in Hebrew, are coming up with all of these rules and, and then influence the Supreme Court of the United States. It's supposed to be the freedom, the, the leader of the free world, and they're behaving like Taliban. And then you have these girls that have to go and, 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 and hide the fact that they want to heal themselves from a rape and they're 10 years old and then they say oh it never happens well it actually happens every day apparently in the united states uh, kids uh, girls under 15 there is one or two of them a day that actually get raped because we're talking about over a thousand cases a year so think about it over a thousand cases of kids under 15 that get uh, raped and they have pregnancy that obviously they do not want you know it's 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 crazy. And then you look at the fathers of um, a, a, the, the founding fathers that everybody is, you know, holding up as, as, as uh, geniuses. And some of them, I definitely admit, were geniuses. And they wrote the Constitution, uh, which is definitely was very, very advanced at that time. OK, at that time, it was very advanced about two, what, 230 years ago, uh, a, a Pluto return ago. And they say that they hold it as the most important document, almost like the Bible that was written 2,500 years ago, right? But if you actually listen to the people that wrote that document, for example, uh, Thomas Jefferson, he said specifically that the Constitution should be updated every 19 years. Now, the guy definitely knew what he was talking about. Remember, we talked about Franklin and a lot of the founding fathers were Freemasons that worked with Kabbalah, that worked with astrology. 19 is not just a random thing. It's not that, oh, the guy missed one year from 20. No, 19 is precisely the time where the solar and the lunar calendar converge. We call it a nodal return. We talked about it many times here. Next year, for example, we're going to have a shift of, of shift of the nodal return that happens once every 19 years in July of 2023, moving from Taurus to Aries. So every time the nodal return shifts and moves, there is a difference of what the teaching is. So he knew that every 19 years, when there is a nodal return of the establishment of the Constitution, there is a need to return to the Constitution and read it again. Oh, okay, we actually have um, a women that can vote. And okay, slaves are not the best thing, so we free them. There needs to be adjustment. So the people that actually wrote the Constitution said it should be adjusted, but the people in the Supreme Court that's supposed to uphold it have no idea about that. I mean... 
I don't understand this. Sorry. Maybe some people uh, can maybe explain it to me, but um, I think it's kind of a intellectual void. It's a black hole that is going to make America terrible. You know, instead of making America great, it's going to make it awful. It's going to make it a Taliban. You know, by the time all of this is done, maybe Afghanistan will be the the the, the liberators, and and America will be the one that is uh, causing to spread the gospel. You know. It's really sad, especially it's sad for me as somebody who really loves the Bible, who really appreciates the American Constitution. That's why I made a, a, conscious, a conscious move to United States because I really believe in that. But I, to see people abuse these documents that are intellectual masterpieces by bringing them down and misinterpreting them or abusing them to their own uh, needs, it's pathetic. It really is pathetic. Um, this is Matthias uh, Brower, the Associate Professor of Columbia University, and he says about what's happening right now is that everyone understands that this war, I'm talking about the war in Ukraine, really means a big loss of wealth to everyone in the West as well as Russia. So he was talking about it because of what's happening right now with the energy, especially in Germany, which is the powerhouse of, of European economy in a sense, and that they're very much dependent on gas and uh, natural gas and oil to move that engine, and we're losing that engine. The same thing that, you know, China came up with a report of a, a growth of 0.4, which is very disappointing. That was the engine of, of the world, not only of Europe, and it's also having a very hard time. So all these engines that are running literally on gas is not working. I think it's something that we all have to recognize that, yes, there will be sacrifices, especially this winter, of how much we use hot water. I mean, I think that cold showers are the most important things. And yes, I took cold showers in the winter in London and in Sofia. So I understand what it means. It's not like only I take cold showers in Los Angeles. We're going to have to start sacrificing a lot of these things because of what is going on and our support uh, to the righteous cause of Ukraine. But a lot of it has to do also with Saturn moving into Pisces. Saturn is going to move into Pisces from March 7 of 2023. It's kind of interesting for me because right now I'm in 2022, uh, but because I'm writing the book on 2023, I'm kind of very much in 2023. So it's, it's a little bit confusing. I feel that I'm influenced a lot from the planets that are yet to come. But in March of 2023, interesting things are happening in the distance of two weeks. We have Saturn for the first time in 30 years moving from Aquarius, where it started in March of 2020, right in the beginning of the pandemic. It's moving into um, Pisces. Last time it happened was 93 to 96. You can go back to that time to see what was going on in your life. Saturn in um, Pisces is one thing that's happening in March. The next thing that's happening on March 24 is that Pluto, for the first time in 250 years, is moving into Aquarius, which is the sign of technology, innovation, everything that has to do with uh, people and returning the power to the people. But because Pluto is a slow planet, it goes back and forth, back and forth between Aquarius and Capricorn. We talked about it last week. And that journey is going to take almost a year and a half, two years of transition. That's why 2023 is kind of a year of a bridge. We're building a bridge 
to move into a different time. And I, and I really think it has to do a lot with movement of people. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, willing movement of people, but also people moving not willingly. So there's going to be a lot of exodus, a lot of uh, um, changes in a sense. So it's a, it's a year of a lot of transitions. But Saturn in Pisces specifically does talk about the need to win from anything that we're addicted to, whether it's sugar, whether it's Dijon, whether it is um, oil, and whether it is uh, plain nastiness. You know, that's definitely for a lot of politicians in the United States. So there's going to be a need to look deep into what we are running on, what motivates us in a sense, what we're fueling, or more, what, how are we medicating ourselves? And to break away from that, because if we're not going to do it, it's going to be done for us. So that's part of that uh, request, in a sense, of what is happening in the next um, uh, three years, basically. Besides that, uh, you know how Putin said that he is going to war because he wants to denazify uh, Ukraine, whatever. Now I read about it in the New York Times, actually, that Putin is doing his Putin youth. You know, how remember how Hitler had his Hitler youth, where he was basically brainwashing kids and making them wear a certain uniform and teaching them nonsense and basically feeding them with lies. And you feed kids with lies. They start working on those lies. They, they, they become their foundation. So he's basically uh, in 40,000 schools started changing from September the curriculum uh, in which they're going to be getting a very steady dose of lectures on the topic like the geopolitical situation. You know, that's according to RT and according to Putin, Putin traditional values, according to the, uh, you know, orthodoxy, the Greek orthodoxy or the Russian orthodoxy, which is you know, pathetic. And uh, anything that has to do with uh, rebirthing the country in a sense. So it's basically trying to get them back to the Soviet. And you see that uh, that's what happens a lot of time between enemies, that they start reflecting to each other uh, who they are. So I'm sure that a lot of people that in America, especially, and I'm not going to uh, specifically say names because all of you know what I mean, is that there is a need to go back to the good old times in the 50s, uh, which were terrible times. And, you know, the happy days, what they used to call them, made America great again when America was great, supposedly, in the 50s. And that's precisely what Putin is doing on the other side of the uh, fence. He's trying to get the kids back to Soviet times or to, um, you know, or maybe he's trying to Nazify uh, Russia. So it's really... A, a sad period right now. And Pluto in Aquarius, I'm really hopeful, would eventually mean, because it's going to be there until 2043, it's going to give maybe time for people to awaken and to return the power back to them. Because Pluto in Aquarius is the time where the Constitution was actually written. Pluto in Capricorn is when the United States was declared a, a country in independence. But the French Revolution and the peak of the Industrial Revolution and the Constitution of America was actually written when Pluto was in Aquarius. And remember how the Constitution started. We the people. It's Pluto in Aquarius is all about returning back to uh, the people, returning the power to the people. Uh, some good news again, Aquarius. Aquarius is all about stars. Aquarius is the sign of astrology. It's the sign of future. That's why I think that uh, when we talk about Aquarius as the fraternity, you know, it's the sign of humanity. But funny enough, it's also the sign of aliens. So I'm still hopeful that during Pluto in Aquarius, I was just writing it in the book of 2023, we could meet the fraternity of um, uh, the galaxy and we might meet 
like-minded aliens, you know, hopefully they're more open and they're not like Putin or uh, other um, crazy people we have in America, you know, in the United States. But it will be people who are or aliens that are nice souls, you know, maybe bodhisattvas that reincarnated here in United in um, in uh, Earth and then reincarnated into aliens so they can find their way back home. And it's really interesting because I was reading these arguments between there is a one of these uh, a handle I think in Twitter or something was um, anti anti science Christians or something like that. And one of his questions was, "Prove to me that the world is more than four thousand years." You know, think about it. There are actual people who use technology, Twitter and science, and they still think that either the world is flat or that. Um, uh, the queen is actually a reptile, or that um, uh, the world is only 4,000 years old. First of all, according to the Bible, the world is more than 4,000. It's 5,000 and something. So they don't even know. That's why I told you. A lot of people that hold on to that, uh, the Bible, don't even know the Bible, never read the Bible, don't even know half of the stories in the Bible. But that's besides the point. They just want to feel a community. You know, They want to feel connected. And they think that because they were told that uh, the Bible is sacred, they think that their, you know, their path is sacred. But anyway... This is a very beautiful proof that not the world is uh, 4,000 or 5,000 years old, but actually billions of years old. And when you look at the telescope, uh, these are from the James Webb uh, telescope, that the pictures that came out re- recently from NASA the last week, is really beautiful because they were able to look into the past. This is basically time travel. What you're looking at in the image is uh, an image that had to be, that had happened billions of years ago so they were able to go back billions not thousands billions of years ago to the origin of creation and 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 it's it's just remarkable it's beautiful how vast not only in space the universe is but also in time and the fact that we can look so far away in space means that we can also at the same time look very far away in time and space and time has always been connected. That's the basis of astrology. That's the basis of life. And these are the rules that we all decide to follow when we reincarnate, that we will be bound by space and time, even both of them are illusion, in order to play the game, the game of life. The other thing I was thinking about this week uh, happened to me a lot when I'm doing a lot of readings, because here when I, I was in, in Bulgaria, then I was here, and, and I do just lots, lots, lots of readings. I don't have a Sunday, a Monday, or a Saturday. I don't have weekends. I don't have any days off. It's just like reading, 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 reading. So it makes me, I guess, talk faster. I think I talk really fast now because uh, uh, the engines are going really fast. Anyway, I was thinking about passion. And passion is obviously ruled by Scorpio. It's ruled by Pluto, which is the sense of power. And I'm working a lot with Pluto right now because Pluto moved from being in Capricorn for 200 and, from 2008. And it's moving into Aquarius, like we said, next year. But officially, it's going to happen. It's going to take time for Pluto to settle finally in um, Aquarius. 2026, by the way, is going to be a very tremendous powerful year because we're going to have Neptune moving a sign, Uranus moving a sign, Pluto settling completely into uh, Aquarius. So again, look at 2026, very, very important time, very important year overall. But whatever you're passionate about is also your tool of healing. And it came to me because I worked here with a lot of people, especially today, it was very prevalent because this I just added today, about how when you discover your passion, you also discover a tool to heal yourself. Not because it can take you off your preoccupation, but because passion and Scorp- is ruled by Scorpio, 
Healing and transformation is ruled by Scorpio. The idea behind passion is that it transforms you. It takes over you in a sense, and it also connects you to your depth, which is, again, part of Scorpio. And when you find something that is really deep, deep enough to contain you, to contain your affections and your your abilities and your magic, because Scorpio is all about research and investigation, you can't be passionate about something and be superficial about it. That's how beautiful astrology is, because astrology tells us that depth and passion and intimacy and sexuality and transformation are ruled by the same archetype. So it's your eighth house. It's the house of the underworld. So when you are doing something you're passionate about, again, you have to use the research that Scorpio gives you, the investigation that Scorpio is in charge of. Don't forget, Scorpio is ruled by the nose. It's all about sniffing things and investigating things. And the idea is that when you do deal with something you're very passionate about, first of all, time bends. You know how it is when you're passionate about something. You can't even pay attention. The time flies because that's because you dive so deep inside that Scorpio realm when time does not exist in a sense. And why it can heal you? Because it becomes your mirror. When you're very passionate about a person, you create intimacy with a person, that person becomes a mirror for you. That's what Freud always talked about as counter-transference. He warned his therapist not to get too involved with a person or not to project on them too much because when you're in an intimate situation with a therapist of all type, any kind of therapist, you know what? Even your personal trainer, if he's a good personal trainer, he creates that situation where you are going deep. And when you're going deep in that intimate place, you transform. Why? Because that situation becomes your mirror for example i've noticed because i go to the gym that the sounds people make in the gym when they're working out is also the sounds they probably make when they have sex you know why because it's related to each other so the idea is that if you find something you're really passionate about you found a tool that you can actually heal yourself through it because you create an intimacy with a subject, with an idea, with an activity. You know, I see it a lot, for example, when I was training more jujitsu. I could see, and now I'm coming back to it uh, after the pandemic. I see how much it becomes a mirror to uh, my, uh, my soul, a mirror to me. You know, I can understand that the way I am doing something that I'm passionate about is really explaining very much all of my fears, all of my insecurities, all of my victories, all of my my life is suddenly kind of condensed into that passion. So whatever you're passionate about and the way you deal with your passion is how you can also fix yourself because it creates some kind of a mirror. It creates a projection for you. And that's why, for example, astrology is an occult. Why occult? Because it's hidden energy. That leads, leads you to a transformation. Why? Because astrology can transform because it tries to capture your depth. Same thing with tarot. Same thing with runes. Same thing with Ching. Same thing with everything that you dive deep into. So what I suggest, especially because Pluto is moving next year to Aquarius, is to find passionate things you can do in a context of a community. Because Aquarius is all about friendships, communities, groups, nonprofit, philanthropic, volunteering, altruism. Because God knows the way astrology works is brilliant because it's really a good reflector. And Pluto moving into the sign of altruism probably means that we're going to have to have a lot of altruism going on in the next few years because of circumstances. And the danger that I always talked about here is that if we're not going to get our shit together, the problem is that an external force, whether it's Mother Nature, whether it's, I don't know, an invasion from alien or some virus or whatever, 
is going to have to unite us because we can't do it ourselves. So if, as long as we don't find ways to put ourselves together, then external forces or the collective evil is going to come to bring the world together. And that's always unfortunate. But Pluto, power, but also darkness, moving into Aquarius, community, humanity, can bring it about. Hopefully, the Pluto transformative aspect can also help us uh, overcome some of our issues. Now, let's look at uh, what's going on next week. Um, before we look into some questions... So here we have uh, July 17 is today. Yeah, July 17. So today the moon is in Pisces. Uh, maybe that's why I'm rumbling and rumbling. The moon in Pisces can be all over the place. Mm, sorry. And it's very imaginative. Oops, maybe I was very imaginative today. But um, it's very colorful, multi-talented. The, the moon today, the moon tomorrow is giving you some kind of a more feeling of a flow, more feeling of relaxing. This is actually a good time for siestas, for sleep, for dreams because of the moon uh, being in Pisces. And the moon is going to be touching tomorrow, Monday, on the day of the moon. It is going to be on the um, on Neptune, which is really nice for the moon to be, especially because Neptune, since 2012, has been in Pisces. Uh, and a, a, a rising of the energy of mysticism, intuition... Eh, since Neptune is also uh, the god of the ocean, maybe that's why the oceans are also going to start rising and the and the ice is going down. I just read today that salt water coming under the ice sheets around the world uh, can cause it to melt even faster, therefore rising uh, the sea level higher. But tomorrow, it's not going to happen necessarily, but tomorrow the moon is going to be on top of Neptune. Watch your dreams. They can actually be very, very interesting. And remember with dreams... Try to set your alarm clock after four and a half, six hours after you sleep. Uh, go to sleep because that's when you're going to have your dreams and that's how you can remember them. So that will be a, a good thing to do. Uh, the day, yeah, Monday. So Monday, you see the moon is touching Neptune uh, and sending beautiful energy tomorrow to, Mar to the sun and Mercury and Venus. So we have Venus in Cancer tomorrow starting. This is great. Venus in Cancer is called love. In the tarot card, it's the Two of Cups. So you can expect in the next few year, few weeks sorry, some kind of connection to uh, relationships, better energy around love, better energy around um, happiness. I mean, the Two of Cups is basically showing two fish intertwining. Uh, and it's like really strong connection between the masculine and feminine. And it's also relating to a better relationship in home and family or finding uh, people that you can consider uh, family members but with the fact that we have Vesta in Pisces Neptune in Pisces Moon in Pisces and Venus Sun and Mercury all in Cancer that's great we also have the south node in Scorpio it means a lot of water energy so if you can spend time more by water that would be very very um, welcomed what we have on um, uh, July 19 is a change of energy because the moon is moving into Aries and she's going to be touching Chiron. That's on Tuesday. Chiron is going stationary. So we're going to have now a few months of Chiron until the end of the year going uh, retrograde. Chiron is the healer. It's the wounded healer. So you might suddenly see a healing need or, or certain things that wounded you in the past, even in your early childhood, starting to come up for healing, especially when the moon is touching it. The good news is that Chiron is going to be retrograde towards Jupiter in the next few months until Jupiter himself goes retrograde. But at least now we're going to have some kind of connection 
between Jupiter and Chiron. Jupiter is the healer. Uh, sorry, Jupiter is the Lord of uh, Sagittarius, which is a centaur. It is connected to benevolence and grace. He loves to be in Aries, so that's all good. And Chiron is going to be retrograde towards him. And Chiron, of course, is the most famous centaur. So all of that is actually helping us quite a lot. Um, we have Venus continuing her journey in Cancer, but Mercury, a day after, on um, a Wednesday, is going to move into Leo. Mercury in Leo is kind of interesting because it's heralding the Sun moving into Leo on the 23rd of July. So we're going to move the energy a little bit more into Roaring. So what we have is a transition in Tuesday and Wednesday into more fire energy. And definitely around Friday, we're completely going to be drowning in fire, in the flames of fire. So I hope it doesn't translate to literal fire. But Chiron again on Wednesday. So Tuesday and Wednesday, just pay a little bit more attention because Chiron is stationary. Whenever a heavenly body is stationary, it's a little bit more stuck. So again, not the best time for surgery if you have to do, but it is a time of really figuring out what are the wounds, especially those wounds that affect your personality because Chiron in Aries talks about finding my true I am. And it also means that a lot of the healing in the next few weeks is going to be done from inside of you. I'm not saying that therapists are not going to be good, but they're, they're going to be good as long as you are really doing the work yourself. Uh, we're going to have the moon moving on a Thursday uh, to Taurus, which is always good. Moon in Taurus is exalted, especially during the period of Cancer. Cancer is ruled by the moon, so we always want to see where the moon is. We have Venus sending beautiful energy to the moon. Very good for art, design, finance, um, good insights about um, uh, your talents, about money. So it's a good day for deals especially because the Sun and Neptune are sending beautiful energy to each other. It started off at the beginning of the week. So all this week, we have a really good connection to intuition. When the Sun and Neptune are trining, you have a lot of gut feelings. A lot of things come from inside of you that can actually bring a lot of healing. The Moon in Taurus is exalted. The only thing is that she's sitting on top of Mars. Again, because Chiron is retrograding in the first few days, just watch it from accidents, mishaps. Uh, you might feel very pent up and, and restless. <laughs> Welcome to my world. But, you know, you might feel it more than normal. So when you're driving, uh, when you're talking, be a little bit more careful. Mars in Taurus is a little bit slower, so you're not going through a race car. Uh, you're more like a tractor. Uh, but tractors, you know, if they make accidents, they knock down the whole house or the whole building. So... You know, just be a little bit more cautious with your movement. And Chiron, sorry, and Uranus is literally touching the North Node. Remember, we talked about it for the last month and a half that when these kind of guys come together, something in technology is appearing. And now that I think about it, it's kind of interesting that uh, NASA has published its um, shoots from the telescope in the last week, right when once, last time it happened, I told you, is 1855 when Uranus it was touching the North Node. Again, it's very rare when they two come together. North Node is the good karma. It's in Taurus, Mother Nature. It's almost as if images return to Mother Nature from Uranus. Uranus is the ruler of Aquarius. Aquarius is stars. Aquarius is technology. So that could be in the, the world of science. I'm sure that there's a lot of innovation that is also happening right now. So pay attention in the news in the next week, the last week. Um, what is going on because there's a lot of insights coming from science right now. So it's actually pretty exciting time supposed to be scientifically. Throughout August it will continue, but the peak of it is the end of this month, the end of July. 
But in a personal level, you might get great ideas. It's a great time to connect to innovation, technology, upgrade everything because uh, before Mars goes, Mercury goes into a shadow and Mercury goes retrograde. So anything you needed to do, for example, I got this thing uh, that's supposed to tell me where my suitcase is, just in case it gets lost, like all the suitcases now get lost. So anything you can do to upgrade the system will be very much appreciated. So definitely uh, do that, especially now because uh, especially on Thursday, Friday, because that's the peak of the North Node on top of Uranus. Then on Friday, the 22nd, in some places in the world, the sun is moving into Leo with Mercury going to be also in Leo. Uh, just um, uh, watch it a little bit because the moon on top of uh, Uranus can be a little bit aggressive or your emotions can be a little bit crazy. There could be a lot of ups and downs. Uh, women might be acting a little bit crazy. Family members might be going through some kind of drama, especially because at the same time, the moon is going to be squaring Saturn. So that adds to the mix a, a little bit more instability on Friday. Uh, if you are around on Friday, I'm doing the class on Leo. You can uh, look on my website. Uh, I'm going to send you also the email. We're going to talk about Leo. We're going to talk about how to get along with the lions and um, um, what is that archetype all about and why the Leos are the king of the uh, zodiac and what does it actually mean. So again, July 22nd, we're going to have the sun moving into Leo. And on Saturday, we have a Saturday and Sunday. The sun is moving for the first degrees in Leo. Remember, when the sun moves into the first degree of any sign, it shines that energy the most. So you're going to have the most Leo-like energy. And the good news about Saturday is the moon is moving into Gemini, which is actually very compatible with Leo. It's able to be, it's like the king and the bishop, you know, not the bishop, I mean, in, in religion, the bishop, I mean, in um, uh, chess. So it's like the messenger and the message are connecting together. And the moon being in Gemini, again, you can expect something in this weekend that has to do with science, innovation and technology, because the moon is going to move into Gemini, broadcasting things, going to be on top of Minerva, the goddess of wisdom. And at the same time, we're going to have that um, Uranus being on top of um, the North Node. So that, again... Very, very strong, very, very positive. Let's look if there's any questions uh, out there for people. I'm going to also try to pay attention. Um, um, looking at here and the Instagram. So, um, Power of One. Ah, there's a movie like that. Maybe I should definitely watch it. Um, Force, Forced Birthers. Yeah, they're definitely uh, forcing, you know. Also, think about it. With all these things about um, uh, having pregnancies that are unwanted, you know, you think about your religion, you think about the souls, blah, blah, blah. But what is happening is that in a womb that is basically a laboratory is growing a baby that is not wanted. And what it means is that the mother is constantly secreting consciously or subconsciously neurotransmitters, emotions that are not conducive to the baby. Now, sometimes it happens and it's, it's necessary. But when there is a whole uh, generation of that, because what we noticed in the last 40 years is that actually the abortion levels went down because it was legal. And now it's, it's going to be again worse uh, than it was before. So it's just unnecessary. Uh, did you say the Torah there, that in the Torah there is a 19 years return? Um, 
No, every 19 years, the cycle of the solar, not the Torah, the solar calendar and the lunar calendar come together. It is related in many ways to the Torah because the Jewish calendar is based on that union of the solar and the lunar. What about get a job at this time? A great time to get a job this time uh, because you don't have Mercury retrograde, you don't have Mars retrograde. So definitely do whatever you can with that. It's actually pretty good. Um, the system... Um, let's see if there's any questions. I don't see any questions on the Instagram. If you have any questions on Instagram, just post it right now as um, uh, I can actually see them, hopefully. Uh, any questions regarding what we talked about regarding this week? Don't see any questions. Maybe it's all clear. Maybe it's going to be a great week. I told you, the North Node touching on top of Uranus is really, really positive. So that's going to definitely give us a lot of uh, opening. And next week, yes, next week what we're going to do is we're going to dedicate the whole uh, session to uh, looking into what is happening throughout August. I'm also going to send them a, an email because I think a lot of you guys are in my email uh, uh, list. You're going to get all the dates uh, for August, definitely. What is it in Libra this week? You know, Libra is, I don't see anything specific with Libra. There is, uh, the moon is not in Libra this week, so it's all good. Um, so again, thanks a lot for bearing with us. And uh, thanks a lot for joining us on the live Instagram. And I'm saying good goodbye to you guys. Hope to see you in person. Waving goodbye to those that actually I can see here. And um, have an amazing few weeks. And in, uh, I hope to see you next week in our last session in this season. And thanks a lot for joining.